ready for a more successful and fulfilled life? It is time for Real Answers, a transformational hour with Dr. Kate Siner, live broadcasting to the 50 states and internationally. Dare to go deep. Change yourself, change the world. Hello and welcome to Real Answers. This is Dr. Kate Siner and today I am going to be speaking with Mary Shores about uh, communication and specifically about conscious communication. So Mary Shores is has been recognized as a leader of innovative thought and she's been hailed as a revolutionary thinker. And what is perhaps most exceptional uh, about Mary is that she rose from nowhere to be able to accomplish a whole host of things, including an incredibly fabulous book. And her, she has a deep, deep belief that if she can do this, then anyone can. And that is part of what her work does, is help people realize the potential that they have inside like she was able to realize herself. So thank you, Mary, for coming today. And um, I really look forward to our time together. Yeah, me too. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me on the show. So from from what I just said, the fact that you kind of came from nothing and developed all of this amazingness, can you tell me a little bit about how you came to your work? Well, my backstory is, is not one that you would expect to see from someone who's in the position that I'm in, you know, just published a book with my very favorite publisher, Hay House, and doing the work that I do. Because when I was 16 years old, I was out on my own, and not too long after that, within just a few short years, I became a teenage mother, and my daughter was severely, profoundly brain-damaged later passed away from complications to that damage. But I spent a couple of years just living in and out of children's hospitals all the time. And one of the ways that I came to the work was just because I had this deep inner need to study the brain because of her brain injury. And I was only 19 years old and 20 years old at the time, but I used to go to the library all the time and just study the brain as much and learn everything I could about it because somewhere inside of me, I think I was in a little bit of denial about her situation and I really believed that she could heal. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. And so this set you on your path to learn more about how the brain worked and then ultimately to use that in helping people be able to communicate and develop themselves. Yeah, and the the best example that I can give for that is really just to share my own story of how this sort of works and really where do you connect that to this book is that for years and years, probably more than 10 years, I would go around saying, I want to write a book, but I'm not a writer. And so the thing is that our words and the way that we communicate are mirror to our subconscious programming. And, and what I mean by that is that the words, I want to write a book, 
is in my subconscious. It's part of my purpose here on the earth. It's almost like you could look at those words and see it written on my soul that I wanted to write a book. But the other words that I'm not a writer are also a mirror to my subconscious belief. And what that's showing is that deep down inside, somewhere inside of my mind, I honestly didn't believe that I was capable of writing a book. You know, maybe I believed I had to have a PhD in English or that I had to have strong connections in the publishing industry, which I had zero connections. But the important thing is to understand that that belief right there was going to forever keep me from ever writing a sentence, let alone an entire book. And so my work was really in finding my way through that belief and establishing the belief that I am a writer so that I could go on to publish this book. So say a little bit more about that. What is that process? What is sort of the program that you designed? The process is that I needed to take one step in a new direction. And because once you take just one step in a new direction, you actually open up an infinite amount of possibilities for yourself. And so my one step was I started to attend writer's workshops. I went to Omega Institute, Cheryl Strayed, who is the best-selling author of the book Wild, which was later made into a movie. She was teaching a workshop on writing and I just, I signed up and I went. I was so far out of my comfort zone and that very first writer's workshop I went to, I was in such a place of disempowerment because I felt like the smallest person in the room because number one, Cheryl Strayed was there, but number two, the other 50 participants of the workshop were all screenwriters, novelists, you know, they were already writers. And here, you know, I was a CEO. I had nothing to do with that. So, you know, but that was so far out of my comfort zone. But by the end of that week, I started to write. Mm -hmm. So if you were to synthesize that and turn it into a step that people could take, what, what would that step be called? Well, this, the step is really taking action, no matter what that action looks like for the, for the person. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times when people talk about taking action, taking action becomes the last step, right? They, they say, well, you know, you do all the things, you change a whole bunch about yourself first, the way that you're, you know, thinking and feeling about things, and then you take action. But what I hear you saying is actually that you believe that taking action is an initial step. I think that there's no hard and fast rule. I think that there's so many ways to change your subconscious programming. So it's to me, it's a feedback loop. So for example, in this particular scenario, yes, taking action and then proving to myself that I actually could write something was the catalyst to then change and create that feedback loop to becoming, to having the belief that I am a writer. Uh, But there's other situations where that's not the, the, the um, strategy that was used. So for example, another strategy could be using your words, such as um, using a gratitude practice in order to build new neural networks every day through what you're perceiving in your environment to be grateful for, or using spoken word, like getting really super clear and focused on the words that are voluntarily coming out of your mouth and using that to empower yourself because you can always speak with more empowering words. 
Mm-hmm. So there's, I don't think there's just one way. I think there's many, many ways that you can accomplish this. And do you have a sense or could you help people understand maybe how they could tell where they could get best started? Well, depending on where they're at. So like, for example, you know, we're all different and we're all on this journey. And I was just writing a piece this morning because a woman had contacted me and she was talking about her life and she was saying she felt like she was so thrown away because in a, in a one year period of time, she lost her father. She got diagnosed with um, cancer. She had to have a, she had to have her uterus and ovaries removed. And then she started a year of chemo, which ultimately resulted in her husband leaving because she was unable to have sex she was unable to care for her children. She had these three young children. So she got through that. And that was just a few short years ago, but she still left feeling discarded and just completely thrown away as she was messaging me. So for, for her, I think that the starting place might be to have some hope and to realize that we're actually more powerful than our wildest imagination. And sometimes your job right now is just to get through one more moment, one more day, one more week. And my suggestion for her was it's time to loosen the grip of our stories because we have, we all have these tragic stories that we, we use them to connect deeply with other people. Mm-hmm. But sometimes what we don't understand is that every time we tell that story that disempowered us, we're actually reinforcing the neural network that created that disempowerment in the first place. And that if you can find the triumph in the story, because to me, the, the beautiful part about my story is that it's in the fact that I was able to move on. Mm-hmm. And so I, it's, it's difficult to give like a one canned answer that's going to work for everybody because it's really meeting the person where they're at and just saying, let's go, let's figure out what your next step is. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, so we are actually going to go to a quick commercial break. And in just a moment, we are going to be back with more of Mary Shores and uh, Conscious Communication. educator, Dr. Kate Siner wants to help you connect with your purpose and passion. With 18 years in the field of personal development, a PhD in psychology, and plenty of real-life experience from the School of Hard Knocks, Dr. Kate will inspire you not just to change your life, but the world for the better. Her mentoring and programs provide effective tools and tailored support that meets you where you are and grows as you do. For more information, visit www.katesigner.com.
Hello and welcome back to Real Answers. Uh, today we are talking on the topic conscious communications with uh, guest speaker Mary Shores. And before the break, we were talking about not only how uh, she got into this work, but also what are some of the keys to be able to open up in your own life into, you know, your own potential. So specifically, uh, we're looking at things like taking action, um, bringing in a gratitude practice, um, uh, learning to see the, the outcome, the hopefulness, the positive side of the story rather than get mired in the uh, limitations of the story. And I would um, imagine here that these are some of the steps that you put into your program. Um, are there additional steps as well? Oh my gosh, yes, there's so many. Each chapter of my book, Conscious Communications, has its very own coaching exercise at the end of each chapter. So for example, chapter one is all about understanding what you focus on, you create. Because truly in life, you know, we all have these infinite possibilities available to us, but, but, what I like to focus on is how do you turn a possibility into a probability? And the difference between possibilities and probabilities are that probabilities are more likely to happen. And when we can understand that it's the everyday choices we're making in every thin sliced moment of life that is opening up the next set of possibilities for us. And believe it or not, there's simple, simple ways that you can control what you are creating in your life. So when you are in despair, when you have this frantic, desperate energy, you know, that's when you just start creating a lot more chaos in your life because you're really not able to show up from a neuro, neuro, neurological part of yourself isn't able to show up as your best because you're running on fight or flight. And when you're able to step out of that and look at your choices from the outside in, you can see how certain choices connect you to the probable future that you actually want to have. So one of the practices in the book is cleanser clog. And that's just looking at your choices on, on any given day and seeing how they match up with the things you want in life. So for example, if I am on a diet and I want to lose 20 pounds, then all I have to do is look at a piece of food and say, will this bite of food, will it cleanse me or will it clog me? And if the answer is clog, you want to really make that choice if you want to clog yourself with this Snickers bar or whatever it is. And if it's an apple and you're using that as a cleanse, that's great. And as long as you can keep your choices about 80% cleansing, then 20% of the time you can still have your cake. But Truly to understand that it is those everyday choices that you make that is building your life like Legos just all around you. You, you are the architect of your own existence. Mm-hmm. Great. So you were saying a little bit about turning um, possibility into um, probability. And I, I just, I, I'd love to talk about this a little bit more. So you're, you know, focusing on what you want to create, this concept of cleanse or clog. Can you say a little bit more about how people can begin to shift themselves from uh, possibility to probability? I, I was specifically thinking about how you're saying, like, when we get distressed, and what, when we're distressed, a lot of times people try to come up with a, like a solution or an action or a way of, 
um, moving forward. And what I'll often say is, well, actually, you need to get yourself to the place where you're not distressed. So when you're in that clearer place, and it's from that clearer place that then you can actually see the path forward. And it, it, there's a sort of a common perception that's out there that we need to solve the problem rather than shift where we are in order to be able to see our way to the solution. So um, anything that you have to add in that area, I think would be great. It's so interesting because, you know, I see life and I see the place that we're at right now in our culture and in the things that we're opening ourselves up to um, as this place where science and spirituality just meet. We're at that crossroads. And the way that I would explain what you just said and, and to add further to the conversation is to say that, you know, throughout ancient spiritual teachings or ancient yogis, Gnosticism, you know, those really ancient teachings, they were teaching this. And in in the book, I call it this concept of vidya, which is actually ancient um, old yogic terminology of vidya and avidya. Avidya means that you see through a lens of misperception. So when you're in that frantic state, you are probably seeing things with smudged glasses. In other words, you're seeing things worse than they are. Or another form of that is when you're seeing things through rose-tinted glasses and you're seeing things better than we are, better than they are. And we all have that girlfriend who's with, like, the most horrible guy ever, but she thinks he walks on water. So that's a great example of seeing things better than they are. But vidya means true knowledge. And vidya means to see things as they are. Now, why is this so important? Because, again, going back to the neurology, going back to the science, just like you said, when you get yourself to that place of neutral, you're you're going to be able to stimulate the problem-solving areas of your brain. And I have an entire chapter in my book. Um, it's I think the chapter is called Your Nervous System, Friend or Frenemy. Because when you're in that frantic stress state, your, your, your body is creating tons of adrenaline and cortisol. And adrenaline and cortisol are meant to get you out of acute emergency situations like when the, the lion, tiger, and bear is chasing you down. But in today's world, we don't have lions chasing us. The lion is maybe our boss who just chewed us out or our husband or our child or our child's teacher or whatever that situation may be. It's not a true life threat, but our body doesn't understand that and, and it reacts to a perceived threat the same way it would to a deadly threat like a car accident or something very, very scary. And when those chemicals are flushing through our body, you're, you're actually cutting off the oxygen and the nourishment to the rational side of your brain. The rational side of your brain is where you're going to come up with your best problem-solving solutions. And there are very specific uh, steps you can take. So like when one of your clients or, or one of your listeners is in this place where they cannot see past their problems and their problems are so enormous that all they do is talk about them and complain about them, then one thing they can do is write a list of their problems because there was a study done at UCLA by a researcher named Matthew Lieberman that that the results were that just by naming your problems, you'll actually feel better about them. The reason for that is because when you name your problems, your brain will instantly create dopamine and serotonin as well as stimulate the problem-solving areas of your brain. 
So you'll feel better and you'll come to a solution, which you never would have come if you just stay in that state of frantic energy and desperation. Great. Love it. So uh, another tool that people can take away from this is naming their problems so that they can begin to shift into the, the solution part of their, um, of their brain. Yeah, that's true. And that's just the first step of a five-step process that I like to call from breakdown to breakthrough. Because the, the, the first step is to name your problems so that you start getting those feel-good chemicals going and you, you sort of stop the cycle of procrastination right then and there. Okay, great. Would you like to um, explain the other steps of that process? Oh, my gosh, that could be an entire show. <laughs> <laughs> Briefly. <laughs> so what I would say is that um, the first step is to, to make a list of your problems then what you want to do is you want to look at this list of, of your problems. What I did when this happened to me was I was able to look at this list of problems. And as soon as I saw the list, it had 20 things on it. I was able to say, wow, anybody who was looking at this list of problems would probably feel as depressed and stressed out as I do. And it's so interesting because, and again, I did the research on this, but it's about empathy and compassion, about stimulating the empathetic and the compassionate part of your brain. So you know that feeling like if you're watching a movie, let's say it's a Hallmark movie, and, you know, you're you're watching the woman on the screen and you're just crying for her. Mm-hmm. You're just, you're, you're, you're cuddled up on the couch with your cat and your blanket and your hot tea and you're just sobbing for this woman. But when we have those problems... We don't have that compassion for ourselves. What we do is we criticize ourselves and we say, I'm so stupid. How could I make this mistake again? And we berate ourselves into a place of disempowerment that is just not helpful. Mm -hmm. But when you write that list and you look at it, you do that thing as if the list represents your girlfriend and what you would say to her instead of that self-beratement. And so that's the step two of the process. And um, for anybody who's looking for that, I actually, there's a blog called From Breakdown to Breakthrough. Anyone is welcome to read those steps. Great. Awesome. Oh, that's such a, such a key uh, to uh, our, our transformation is being able to bring that uh, acceptance and compassion to whatever, wherever we find ourselves. Without that, it seems like where we get stuck in a bit of a log jam and, and can't, you know, can't really move forward because the, the problem is, com, um, you know, kind of compounding itself. All right. So we're going to take one more commercial break here. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes with more unconscious communication with Mary Shores. educator, Dr. Kate Siner wants to help you connect with your purpose and passion. With 18 years in the field of personal development, a PhD in psychology, and plenty of real-life experience from the School of Hard Knocks, 
Dr. Kate will inspire you not just to change your life, but the world for the better. Her mentoring and programs provide effective tools and tailored support that meets you where you are and grows as you do. For more information, visit www.katesigner.com. Welcome back to Real Answers. We've been talking on the topic of conscious communication with Mary Shores and going over some really great information. Um, specifically, right before the break, we were talking about going from breakdown to breakthrough and the importance of both naming your problems so that you can move back into the uh, solution uh, part of your brain and then also bringing in the compassion towards your problems so that it becomes easier to um, to shift and to change them. So uh, what would you say in all of this, what is the big thing that you think prevents people from stopping, uh, from reaching their goals? One of the biggest things is when someone sets a goal and they don't reach it, there's probably something in their mind that deep down inside, they really just don't believe that they have the skill set necessary to achieve the goal. It could also be that they don't believe they're capable for whatever reason. Like maybe they think they don't have enough money. Maybe they think they don't have enough time. Um, also, you know, they, they, they create these excuses for themselves. So the number one thing you would say would be their perception of what is possible. Yes, I think, well, the, the number one thing is that keeps people stuck is that deep down inside, they don't really believe that they are, they probably believe other people are capable of it and that it's possible, but that they themselves cannot achieve it. Okay. And specifically, you know, what what you help people do is kind of break through this barrier be able to transcend, uh, go from the place where they are feeling like, hey, this isn't possible to me for, for me to, uh, like, I can figure out how to do this. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's so many ways to break through your barriers, and they don't necessarily have to entail figuring out where they originate from. Because like we already said, taking action in the direction of where you want to go is one great way to break through your barrier. And there's so many other ways. Um, another way is to just simply the, the practice of remembering your pr- past triumphs will create a lot of growth for you in the direction of, of you know, like you remember mm-hmm. a lot, another time that you made a goal that felt impossible to you. Awesome. So, uh, you know, with these limitations that people have in their minds, so how, how do they become aware? Sometimes people aren't even aware of what their limitations are. So how do they become more aware of them so that they can, can start to overcome them? I think paying attention to your involuntary speech patterns is a great suggestion and way to figure out what 
what it is that's keeping you stuck. So like my, in my own personal example, um, I was saying I wanted to write a book, but I'm not a writer. And so those words, I'm not a writer, what was that mirror that I needed to figure out, wait a second here, I'm not going to be able to do this if I really truly believe that I'm not a writer. Now, in another example, um, I was out to dinner one time with a group of friends and we were at like a little outdoor bistro and it was a happy hour and my girlfriend walked up to join us and we asked her if she wanted to order something and she just looked around and she said, too rich for my blood. And I'll never forget that because it was such a moment for me to see that not only did she believe she was not worthy, but her entire lineage of people, my blood is not worthy. Mm -hmm. So looking at these ways that you criticize yourself, either in your self-talk or out loud is a great way to become aware that you've got an issue there. So her issue was with money. Um, Other people's issues are going to be all very different. So a lot of times people, the way that we express ourselves is, um, is unconscious. It, it, so it comes out of our mouth, but we don't exactly realize what it is that we're saying. So what is it that would, you know, what's a good tool or some tools so that people can become a little bit more conscious about these patterns? Well, I want to make it clear that it's not just it's not just about like this easy tool. It's, it's small pivots over time. So if I think it can be, you feel like if you look for this tool and you try it for two days, nothing's going to change. Right. You, what you have to do is understand that transformation doesn't happen in a weekend. I used to be so addicted to going to these weekend workshops that would be like, transformation in a weekend, sign up today, become a different person. And at the end of the workshop, I'd look around and everyone else seemed like they were transformed. And I'm looking at myself going, I failed. Why didn't I transform? Why did everybody else transform and I didn't? But if I look at myself now compared to where I was 10 years ago or 20 years ago or even one year ago, I'm a completely different person. And the reason for that is because I understand that this is a journey that takes a lot of time and commitment. And wherever you start, if you, if you, so what, one example, a daily practice of gratitude. You know, you're not going to all of a sudden three days later become, become transformed. But 45 days later, you're going to start to notice some changes in your life. You're going to start to notice your circumstances around you start to look different. One of the things that I did was for one solid year, I wrote a page of affirmations a day. And it might seem silly to some people to do that, but I did not feel comfortable speaking affirmations. I just felt silly. I don't know. Like, I I love them now. But at the time when I did this, I just felt silly. So I wrote one page of affirmations every day. And within that one-year period of time that I did that, my entire life changed. And when I say my entire life, I literally mean everything changed. I got a book deal. That changed my life. I set up a a gratitude group that has now hundreds of members in it that share daily gratitudes. I was able to accomplish so much because the repetitiveness of writing those affirmations every day 
built new neural networks over time. You know, you have to remember that these neural pathways in our mind took years, decades to create, and you can't change them, you know, in a, in a, you know, with one little tool or one little weekend workshop, you, you have to, you have to chip away at them over, over a long period of time. And, in, and you'll begin to enjoy that journey and that process as you do it. It's a personal development is a way of living. It's a way of approaching life versus something that you do in either a session or a workshop or something like that, that you, you get your results and you kind of take them home and then you go back to the same way of doing things or, you know, you just kind of go back to life as it is. Um, that there is a, a pro, like, um, that you're adding in layers. The way that I like to look at it, you're adding in these layers of doing things differently that get you to uh, operate and function at a completely different level. Absolutely. That was beautifully said. So is all of this, um, you know, we're wanting people to embrace this process of, of change and transformation because it has so much value as far as what it is that, um, how people's lives can shift and how they can enjoy them so much more. So if they want to find out more about your work and get more of this information, how would they do that? Well, I would love, love, love. For all of your listeners to find me on Facebook under the name Mary Shores, M-A-R-Y-S-H-O-R-E-S, and I run a group called Fearless Ambition, and you guys are all invited to join. I also have given you our free workbook that we are offering right now, which is a 36-page companion journal that goes along with our book. Anybody can have that have that book, as well as um, finding the book Conscious Communications on Amazon. Great. Awesome. Uh, so I want to thank you so much for joining me here today. Um, I will make sure that um, this information is readily available for people. And um, I um, I look forward to the results that they see from checking out, out your work. Thank you so much. It was such a wonderful time to be here today. You've been listening to Real Answers with your host, Dr. Kate Siner. Her purpose is to inspire you to create positive change inside and out. Visit Dr. Kate on her website at www.katesiner.com with Dr. Kate and see how she can help.